bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace Let's just pray before we get into the Word. God, we just thank you for this opportunity we have today to gather. God, we just pray as we come to your Word that you would just speak to us, Lord. God, we just ask, Holy Spirit, come, you're welcome, and, um, and do what only you can do. But God, we just um, thank you that we can gather. We also pray for those that can't gather today because of this coronavirus. We pray that this virus will bow its knee, that it will be wiped from this planet with the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, we just um, pray for those that are affected even by this, this virus, Lord, we just know that, God, that you are seated on the throne, not this virus, that you are our provider, and God, we keep our eyes fixed upon you, and we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace in every season, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're on a series called Bless This House, and uh, we're bringing it all together today and um, concluding this is week four, and uh, let me just recap quickly what we've been speaking about over the last few weeks. We've been talking about creating a culture that blesses our family, not just our family now, but the generations to come. Because what we understand in Scripture, it tells us to leave an inheritance for our children's children. And so many times we get caught up on just the, uh, the financial side of an inheritance, which is a, a great blessing to receive that if you do receive that. But the best inheritance we can leave is a culture that sets the generations up, a culture of how to work hard, a culture of keeping God the center of their life. Because if we can get the culture right, all those other things would be added anyway. A culture of seeking God first in all that we do. And so we've been going through the Beatitudes. We've been talking about how we can learn from the Beatitudes, how to create a culture in our households that sets our household up for blessing uh, and the generations up for blessing. So the first Beatitude we spoke about are blessed to those that hunger and thirst for, they, uh, for, for God, who they will be satisfied. And... Um, and I think we've got to understand that as the leaders of our household or the leaders of ourselves, we can choose what we're going to hunger and thirst for. And usually what you focus upon is what you're going to get. So let's focus on God, hungering and thirsting for Him because we'll be satisfied. Because what we've got to understand, the only thing that truly satisfies us is God. You know, there's things that can step in for a season and they feel like they're satisfying, but they leave us more empty than we were when we first started. There's only one that can fill the God-shaped gap in our life, and that's God, creating a culture where we hunger and thirst for Him. We spoke about, blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Keeping a pure heart. The only way that we can have a pure heart is by surrendering our heart to God. God's the only one that can make our heart pure. And as we keep our hearts surrendered to Him, keep our relationship with Him fresh, we can see God at work through our lives and our families. Week three, we spoke about blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Who knows that whenever you speak about being a peacemaker, that week you get tested in that area. Can I have an amen? And, uh, and 
But honestly, we've got to understand, we're called to be peacemakers. And I think sometimes we think we're called to be the ones that go and get revenge and do all these types of things. But can I tell you something? God is the one that sorts things out. Surrender it to him. And, um, and that's, if we're children of God, that's the way that we act. We're peacemakers. And I know that in our flesh at times, we want to be war makers. But let's make sure that we, we can make war, make it against the devil, not against uh, people around us. We're peacemakers and we want to see God's kingdom established in people's lives. But today, we're going to be talking on the last um, beatitude. It's in Matthew 5, 10 and 12. And it says this, Blessed, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is going to be a good sermon today, isn't it? We're going to talk about persecution. And, uh, but what you've got to understand about persecution, we're called to deal with it in a right way. Because as we go through life, we will experience persecution for many different reasons. But we've got to make sure that we respond to it right. Because it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for doing right. Or, or some versions say, for righteousness. For, they, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It continues on. It says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You see, this beatitude, it's, it's different to the rest. Obviously, it's the last beatitude. It's the, the longest beatitude. It goes for three verses. It's the only beatitude that has a, 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 command, a, um, um, a command connected to it, which is, tells us to be happy and to rejoice. And, um, and I think as we look at this, um, this, this um, beatitude as well, we also see that God also repeated this beatitude later on in Scripture. And, um, and probably one of the things that stands out the most when it comes to this beatitude, it's the only one which started off with the third person, because it always talks about those or them, but then in verse 11 it goes to you. It talks, it's talking directly to the person that's hearing it. And I believe that Jesus is spending a bit more time on this one because it's, it's, it's something that we're going to face probably more often than the other ones in our life. And we've got to be ready for, for when this comes so that we can respond in a way that causes us to continue to shine our light and not let our light go out. And uh, so th this beatitude today, I just want us to really just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And, and, um, and, and I think what we've got to understand is, is this, is this whole series isn't about, um, what is it? The, the whole thought isn't about just creating a Christian home because the word Christian just gets thrown out so easily these days. We're talking about building Christ-centered homes, ones where Jesus is right in the center. And, and I believe that as we live Christ-centered homes, at times we can be persecuted, we can be misunderstood for the things that we do in our, in our life, the way that we respond. And this isn't a new thing. It's gone through Scripture for a long time. You look at Stephen in the Bible. I think it's in Acts uh, 6 and 7. It talks about how, how he was somebody that was just serving the body of Christ. He was just waiting on tables. He was just doing the right thing. And suddenly persecution arose against him. And, and we find out that that concludes with him losing his life for just serving Jesus and doing the right thing. I'm thankful that the world that we live in or the country that we live in, we're not going to get killed for the faith that we have, but we can be bullied. We can be, um, you know, uh, things said about us, but we've got to learn to respond in, a, in the right way 
so that we can, in every season, allow God to do a work in our life and through our life. Amen? So just to bring a bit more clarity, what I'm not saying today is this. I'm not saying blessed are those that are a nuisance. Because some people just go around just causing trouble for the sake of causing trouble. And they're getting persecuted. You see, the reason why they're getting persecuted, that's a cause and effect. They're not getting persecuted for their faith. They're being persecuted because they're a nuisance. And I think sometimes within, within the church, many times people can be persecuted not for being a Christian, but their lack of being a Christian in the way that they approach different things. So I'm not saying that, you know, the cause and effect in our life, but what I am saying, and I'm reminding us of this scripture, is God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for righteousness, for following Jesus. And, uh, and I think sometimes if maybe if you're not getting persecuted, maybe your life's not totally um, grounded on the word of God and you're just becoming somebody that blends in. And, but I, I think you've got to understand that us as the people of God, we're not called to blend in, we're called to stand out and shine and, pour, and point people to a better way, which is living for Jesus Christ. Amen? So let me give us three things today on how we can know how to respond or be ready for persecution when it comes against us for following Jesus Christ. The first is this. We've got to expect it. We've got to be ready for it. It's going to come. Um, John 15, 20 says this. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. We see that Jesus was persecuted. And, and we've got to understand that as we live our life, sometimes people will misunderstand us. And you know, recent times, there's been times as, as, as a church, we've had to stand up and, and, and preach the word louder than we have before. And people have taken that the wrong way, called us bigots and things like that. But really, our heart is we love people and want to see people come to know Jesus and live in the freedom that Christ has for them. But we've got to expect it as we stand up and we shine. You know, who knows that when, you, when you're driving along the road and somebody's coming the opposite way at night and their high beams are on, it's like, it's almost offensive. It hurts your eyes. And you see, we've got to understand that as well. As we're shining bright, some people are in darkness. Their eyes are attuned to darkness. They're going to be like, what's that all about? But let's make sure that we're people that learn, that when it comes to standing up for our faith, that we've got to expect persecution. You know, for, for me growing up, you know, as you know, I'm an athlete. I'm, I'm very sporty, as you can tell, very fit. And, um, but growing up, we used to play a lot of sport. And I know that even today as well, there's, there's sports that's on every day of the week. But back when I was a kid, it was pretty much either Saturday for certain codes or Sunday. And my parents decided that we're not going to neglect the gathering of the saints, that we go to church on Sunday. So sport on a Sunday for us was out. And um, it wasn't saying that, you know, it was just if there was an occasional thing that happened, whatever it is, I'm not talking about le being legalistic, but it was a, a decision that my parents made to say, well, you know what, on a Sunday we go to church and uh, that's our Sabbath, that's the day where we gather together, where, where we, 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 we be the church, we gather as the church. But you know what, some people used to take that the wrong way and go, how can you not give your kids the best opportunity and all those types of things. And, but you know what, when I look back on it now, I'm so thankful that my parents made a decision to say, hey, you know what, on Sunday we go to church. And because they've set that foundation, for me it's been somebody that, I mean, I know that it's created great blessing in my life because they made that decision. And um, 
So I just want to encourage us when it comes to living for Jesus, when it comes to making decisions that set our family up for blessing, come on, let's, let's expect persecution. You know that it's going to be a hard call at times to be able to say no to certain things so that we can stay true to the yes that we said to God. So there's, there's so many different other examples we can talk about that when, as believers, let's talk about tithing. When you tell somebody that you tithe, why would you do that for? I think it's funny, whenever, you, whenever I go for a home loan or, or something like that, they always go, what's teething? What's teething? And I go, no, it's tithing. It's where I give 10% back to God. And, but, you know, some people take the game, what are you doing that for? You know what? I, I believe it's only somebody that doesn't tithe that asks, why do you do that for? Because those that tithe, they understand the blessing that comes with it. They understand that there is a God there that does rebuke the devourer for our sake as we keep honoring him. So we will be persecuted for the ways that we do different things, but we're not living for the applause of men. We're living for the applause of heaven. Amen? So we've got to expect it. It's going to come. We don't go looking for it. We've just got to expect it. The second thing we've got to do, we've got to learn to endure it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm somebody that I can be a bit fiery at times, get a bit passionate. And when somebody would persecute me for different things, I, I want to rise up and take revenge or take things into my own control into my own hands but you know what I've learned and maturity has taught me along the way is that when you do that it doesn't usually end well the best thing that we can do is just give it to God and let God sort it out because he was sorted out much better than how we will sort it out in our life 1 Corinthians 4 12 says this we work hard with our own hands when we when we are cursed we bless when we are persecuted we endure it don't have to whinge and sook and complain and carry on. When we're standing for righteousness, when we're standing on the word of God, when we're applying scripture to our life and people may say things that, 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 that are trying to come up against us, we just got to realize and just endure it and realize that God has all things under control. And as we stay firm uh, on the word of God, our light, the, the light within us will shine bright and I believe will eventually affect those people that may be coming up against us. So we're not going to complain about it. Not meant to react. Just trusting God. I, I, I wrote this down. I just think that when we come up against persecution, we just got to keep smiling and let God fight for us. Just keep smiling and let God fight for us. Now Exodus 14, 14 says, The Lord will fight for you. All you need to do is stand still. And I think many times we get so caught up in, in chasing and trying to put out all these fires when all we've got to do is just stand still and let God fight for us. Just keep smiling. Keep smiling. I love it how it puts this scripture in, in the message translation in Exodus 14, 14. It says this, God will fight the battle for you and you, you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> how direct is that? Let's not get carried away. Let's not think that we have to Go to the left and the right, but keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Keep our mouth shut. God is fighting for us. And you know, what I want us to do today, and you can do it after the service, probably more appropriate. I want us to take a selfie of ourselves smiling and just put the hashtag Exodus1414 on social media. Because you know, at the moment, we've got all these masks and we can't see people's beautiful faces. Let's just put a big smile on there. Send someone a smile and put Exodus1414 which means that we just need to keep smiling. God's fighting for us. No matter what the world may throw at us, no matter what persecution may come, we can keep smiling because Jesus is on the throne and he is fighting for us. We already have the victory in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.
Can we got to take discipline? We got to bring our thoughts and bring them into the, in, into submission to God's ways. Our minds can go crazy, but bring it into the submission of God under His word and let Him be God, and let us keep following Him. Because you know what enduring it does? It builds self-control. It's almost like the, the word meekness. It's like meekness doesn't mean that we're weak. Meek means that we've got controlled strength. And I think so many times we think we've got to fly off the handle to show how big and strong we are. But you know what? Many times it's about being meek, controlling yourself to show how big and strong you are. Because anybody can fly off the handle, but it takes somebody of faith to be able to bring their emotions into alignment and allow God to be God. Because enduring persecution builds in us something that nothing else can. Allow God to use that season to build self-control in your life. Amen? Don't waste the season. Many times you think, oh, how can God do anything? In it? Don't waste any season. God never wastes a season. We should never waste the season. Allow God to be God and do his work in our life and help us to be self-controlled. So we've got to expect it. We've got to endure it. And the third is this. Hey, let me just go back to endure it for a second. I'm not talking about when we're meant to speak out, to be quiet. There's times when we've got to speak out, but then there's times we've got to be quiet. Don't get me wrong. Don't be somebody that's put your head in the sand. There's times for us as the church, we've got to stand up and let our voice be heard. And there's times where we're just going to be still and just let God be God and let him take control. Amen? So we've got to endure it. Number three, we've got to embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace it. Two hands and a headbutt. Embrace them in Jesus' name. 1 Peter 4, and 4 verse 16 says this. 1 Peter 14 verse 16 in the message translation says this. If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It is the spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. If they were on you because you broke the law or um, disturbed the peace, that's a different matter. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished that status reflected in that name. As we have Jesus in our life, it's going to cause an effect around us. People may not understand at times, but I'll tell you what, when we have Jesus in our life, life is so much better. You know, with Jesus, every season is better, even the bad times. With Jesus, it's always better. Come on, let's learn to embrace it. Because of God in us, some people may get offended. I want to read that same scripture in the Living Translation, uh, the New Living Translation, it says this, But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. And how powerful is that? What a privilege, what an honor it is to be called by his name. Embrace it. But you know, when we embrace it, we've got to not embrace it with a, an attitude of anger. We've got to learn to embrace persecution with an attitude of joy. Because what did it say in Matthew 5, 12? It said, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. When things come up against us because of our faith, let's learn to rejoice about it because there's a great reward on the other side of that persecution if we don't give up. You know what? I believe in sometimes we can persecute ourselves when it comes to the things of God. We're speaking badly about ourselves. We've got to learn those voices, let those voices die out and let the spirit of faith rise up because what we've got to understand, if we keep hold of the word of God, there's a great reward on the other side, awaiting us in heaven. So why can we be happy? Why can we rejoice? 
when we're embracing persecution. The first thing is this. We can be happy in persecution because we know that God uses persecution to refine us. God uses the season to refine us. And I said it just before. God never wastes a season. Let's not let us waste any seasons, the good or the bad, allowing God to do a work in our life, showing us some things that we need to work on or letting him build confidence in us that what we're doing is right. 1 Peter 1 verse 6 and 8 says this, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, that's what you've got to understand. Trials and hardship and persecution, they're only usually a little while. Let's not make permanent decisions based on a season that's only lasting a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Do you understand that? That your faith is far more precious than anything, any materialistic thing. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Come, we've got to allow the different seasons to purify us, just like fire purifies gold. Let's allow the trials and persecution to refine us so that we can become better and more useful for the kingdom of God. Let's never waste a season in Jesus' name. So we can be glad because in the season, God's still working. He's turning things around for the good. He's making us become bigger and better for the glory of God. We can also be happy because... Pers- uh, sorry, we can be happy in persecution because we know that it gives us the opportunity to show the difference that Christ has made in a person's life. Because you know what? It's easy to be happy when things are going right and to rejoice when things are going well. But when you, when you can rejoice when things are going bad, it shows that there's something different working in our life. That our life, our, our joy and our peace isn't determined by the circumstance, but it's about our connection and relationship to God. We're fixed upon him. And I just want to even encourage us that. You know, in every season, sometimes we can start going, well, I'm like this because of that. Can I encourage you? Show some self-control. Apply some scripture to your life and realize that you can go through hell and high water and still have peace and joy in your life. And as we do that, it shines our light. It shows other people around us that there's a God at work. And if he can do it in our life, he can do it in their life as well. Number three, we can be happy in persecution because we know of the promise of the great reward. It says, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. You've got to understand, this life that we live, it's just, it's just here in one moment and gone the next. It's just a, a vapor, it says in Scripture. But we've got to understand, we've got all eternity to live with Jesus. Come on, as we keep grounded, as we keep living out the Word of God, here on earth, we're setting ourselves up for a great reward, I believe, yeah, here on earth, but also in heaven. See, we've got to determine our value from a heavenly perspective. We get so caught up and determine our value by how the, how the world says that we should do that, by, by our gifting or by d- different things like that, by our behavior. But we've got to understand that God's, we've got to see our value from God's perspective. While we're still sinners, he came and gave his life for us. Come, we had value even when we're doing the wrong thing. And we've got to understand that as we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, we've got to remember that as persecution comes, there's a great reward ahead of us. 
our value comes from a heavenly perspective. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 and 18 says this. That is why we never give up. What do we do? We never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present trouble, troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vast outweighs them and will last forever. So listen to this carefully. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we can't see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we can't see, cannot see, will last forever. A heavenly perspective. And it's hard sometimes because we're living in a world where everything's screaming at us to be able to... to, 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 to um, buy into this and to buy into that and we're so consumed by what's going on around us but this scripture is saying hey don't over invest into the things of this world invest into heaven become who God wants you to be keep your eyes gazed upon him let's live for eternity and take as many people as we can with us by the way we live and what we preach with our life come on know that there's a great reward for our life and if there's a reward for us there's also a reward for those people around us if they follow the same pattern so when it comes to persecution for our faith, church, come on, let's expect it, let's learn to endure it, and let's embrace it. Because in every season, God's still at work, and let's allow God to do a work in our life. Not just dig our heels in and say, I'm not going to change, but allow God to speak to us and show us how we can continue to shine bright in a world that is so dark. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So... Your life, I just wonder in your life, is there things in your life that you just feel that you've been persecuted for? I know that there's some people that, even in their own families, that they're the only person that's a Christian and whenever they have some type of gathering, it's like everyone bullies them and gangs up against them and it's like, you know, it's persecution. But can I encourage you, keep holding on? Because as I said in in those scriptures there, that in the season God can refine you. Come on, the way that you respond shows that there's a different source in your life, that you're living for something greater than yourself and the circumstance around you, but you're living for Jesus. You're not called to be somebody that's a, a, um, a thermometer that just blends in, but you're called to be somebody that sets the temperature of a room by the way that you live and the way that you respond. But I just want to pray for all of us today that maybe you're just feeling like, you're under it. You just feel you get persecuted. You feel like when you're standing, it could even be just something that's going on in your own life where you just feel like, man, I just, I, I know this is the word of God, but I just keep letting doubt creep in. But I'm just going to pray today that the Holy Spirit would just speak to you afresh and that you can continue to keep your feet planted upon the word of God so you can reap the reward that God has for you. So let me just pray for you today. God, I just thank you for every single person here. Lord, I don't know what, going on in their worlds but you do father and well we just thank you that you are the prince of peace god we just ask for supernatural strength god we pray that people will just continue to make decisions to keep you number one keep their feet grounded upon your word and your ways that they'll build their life upon the sure foundation which is you lord we just pray for whatever emotions or whatever's going on in people's life we just pray that you would that the holy spirit would help them to be able to build self-control in their life that they would choose the direction of their life. They wouldn't chase emotions, but they will chase your word and your ways. So Lord, we just pray that even those people that may be persecuting people, Lord, we just pray, God, let their light shine. And Lord, let their testimony 
preach to those ones that God can do it in their life as well. So Lord, we just thank you that you're a good God. God, we thank you that we don't need to stress or worry. We don't need to try to put out the fires. We can just trust in you. And we know that, God, that you're fighting for us. We just need to stay still on your word. In Jesus' name. You know, just as we're in this atmosphere of faith, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give people an opportunity here today to, to put their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, if you want to live in the blessing, if you want to set the generations up for blessing, it starts with you making a decision to put Jesus number one. You, know, we, you, you can today, you can experience forgiveness of sins. You can experience a love and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Today, you can have a relationship with God. It's not about a religion, about do's and don'ts, but it's about a relationship with God and, and inviting Him into your life. And as you invite Him in, He does a work from the inside out. So if that's you today, you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you've once made that decision and you've walked away. How good would it be this day to make a fresh decision to make Jesus your Lord and Saviour? You know, I know that God's knocking on your heart. Don't put it off any longer. Today is the day of salvation. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask in just a moment, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time when you're coming back, I'm going to count to three and I just want you to raise your hand. I'll see it. You'll, you can put it down and I'm not here to embarrass you or call you. I just want to know who I'm praying with today. So if that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus, come on, don't put it off any longer. Come on, salvation wants to come to your household today. So if that's you at the count of three, lift it up high. You ready? One, two, three. All over this place. You want to give me a right life for Jesus. See that hand there. Who's going to be next today saying, I want to say yes to him. I want to invite Jesus in. Lift it up high. Keep it up long enough and high enough for me to see it. Awesome. Once you put it up, you can put it down. You know, I believe that as you've raised your hand, you'll put your faith in Jesus and you're saved. But I want to give you some words now to confess that decision that you've made. I'll give you the words to say it as a church. We're going to say it together to encourage you. So let's say this together, church. It goes like this. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I believe that he rose again. I confess that I'm a sinner and I repent of that. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. Can I just give that person a hand that's celebrating all of heaven? And let's just stand for a few moments. Would be wonderful. I'm going to ask the singers to come up. Can we sing that blessing song again? I thought, you know, we're talking about bless this house. We probably should sing this song. And uh, just before we come to a close, I just ask us if you're comfortable to do so, just to close your eyes, just raise your hands to heaven. And I want us just to sing this song together. Speak a blessing over your life. Speak a blessing over the generations to come. Because you know, we all have the power in our hands to make decisions that set our life up and the generations up for success. So Lord, I just pray as we sing this song, that you do something new in our heart. As we bring this series to a conclusion today about bless this house. God, that we would see a church that continues to rise up and say, hey, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to make decisions that set our family up and the generations up for blessing. Lord, help us to continue to keep our eyes fixed upon You. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's sing this together, church, with everything that we have. It is free in the party in the thousand. 
your family and your children and their children and their children.